Welcome to Working Girl Talk, the podcast for working women where each week we cover the latest headlines the businesswoman needs to know, and we chat to boss women making an impact in their industry. Working Girl Talk is on a mission to make your workday better. I'm your host, Abby Zufelt. Hello, welcome back to Working Girl Talk. I'm your host, Abby Zufel. This is episode 80 of the show, which is super exciting, and it is going to be a fun episode. It's going to be a Working Girl Talk first, a little marketing and social media roundtable with two guests today, so it should be a good time. To start us off, let's dive into some headlines. Today, we're only going over one headline because it's just so big and pretty complex. So here we go. Facebook is being sued by the FTC. This is huge news. And honestly, I feel like it didn't get that much coverage in like, I just, I didn't see it as in as many places as I thought it would be. So I'm going to break it down. Fortune actually did a really good breakdown of it. So I'm going to be taking a little bit from them and from the FTC website itself because they did a press release on it so i'll be linking these in the show notes so you can refer to it as well because it's pretty complex very interesting so facebook was slapped with a big antitrust lawsuit this week detailing the company's aggressive behavior that squashed competition, according to Fortune. The Federal Trade Commission in 46 states said that for years the company engaged in anti-competitive behaviors to obtain and retain monopoly power, according to the lawsuit filed in federal court. Facebook allegedly tried to neutralize potential threats when it snapped up Instagram and WhatsApp and failed to buy Twitter and Snapchat, the lawsuit claims. The company pushed back hard and said it violated no laws, Fortune said. So we all remember Instagram was not always owned by Facebook, neither was WhatsApp. Facebook got them. And they even have tried to buy Twitter and Snapchat, but didn't. So included in the lawsuit, remedies are a call to break up Facebook. This is where it gets interesting. Included in the lawsuit's remedies, it calls Facebook to break up its assets. So that would mean not owning Instagram, not owning WhatsApp. They want them to break it up. While analysts think anything is possible, they suspect that Facebook will more likely be forced to change its behavior rather than divest Instagram and WhatsApp, Fortune said, and a lot of Fortune's experts agree. So there's that. The FTC wants them to break up, but a lot of people are thinking that they'll probably just change their behavior about how how it's run maybe. But the FTC website says, quote, Facebook has engaged in a systematic strategy, including its 2012 acquisition of up-and-coming rival Instagram, its 2014 acquisition of the mobile messaging app WhatsApp, and the imposition of anti-competitive con- conditions on software developers to eliminate threats to its monopoly. This course of conduct harms competition, leaves consumers with few choices for personal social networking, and deprives advertisers of the benefits of competition. So that's a, straight from the FTC website about this. So that's why this is happening. So that's the FTC's feelings about it. And as we already said before, Facebook disagrees and say they did have to divest what they own. Losing Instagram would be huge because a lot of reports are saying, including the Fortune report I read, that Instagram is what's keeping Facebook alive at this point. This is That's the most growth heavy platform over the last year and not a surprise. So that's kind of like what's like keeping them growing right now. So that would be a huge deal to lose Instagram. WhatsApp 
still like that's a big deal to lose, but not as much because they're still trying to figure out how to monetize that, which they are doing some new things with shopping right directly on WhatsApp. So they're like trying to figure that out, but still that would be a huge deal. So both articles I'm referencing are linked. This is going to be a big story in the upcoming months. Again, Facebook disagrees. The FTC wants them to break up. Um, so it should just be an interesting story to follow, especially if you are in social media or if you use any of these platforms, it would just be interesting to see like, would, is Instagram not going to be owned by Facebook anymore? I don't know. You just never know what's going to happen with these things. So pretty interesting. Definitely check out the articles I linked and that leads us to today's episode. So like I said, today is a working girl talk first. I sat down with Alexa and Natalie of the Content and Cocktails podcast, and since we are all marketing working girls, we are discussing some social media, hot trends of the year, and where we think these trends are going in 2021, some tips on how to master them. So fun. So this is a roundtable episode, which is super fun, and I'm so excited to share with you. It was so fun to record. Alexa and Natalie are awesome and they work in marketing as well. So it's just a super fun, we're all like marketing people and it's just a fun time. So this episode, we give our thoughts on TikTok, Instagram Reels, the influencer industry, online community building. I think this could be interesting for anyone, whether you work in marketing or not, whether you're just a user for some of these. TikTok is always fun to talk about, so it should be a good time and I'm so excited to share with you. And last thing before we dive into the interview, I'm actually the guest on their podcast this week. So after you listen to this episode, make sure to go check out Content Cocktails and listen to my episode as well. I share more about my story, my career in marketing, how to beef up your resume, how to stay informed on all these things. Hint, listening to this show is always a good way to do that. (laughs) Um, But it's just a fun time. They are awesome girls. I'm so excited to share their insights with you. We also hear a little bit about their stories today in this episode as well. So let's welcome Alexa and Natalie of content and cocktails to the show. We are so excited to welcome Natalie and Alexa from content and cocktails on working girl talk today. Welcome guys. Thank you, Abby. We are thrilled to be here. Big fans of the podcast and excited to talk to you about marketing today. Yes. And also very excited that we're your first two guest episode. Yes. Double the trouble. Yes. This is like the collab everyone's been waiting for. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> they, just, they just don't know it yet, but it is. <laughs> awesome. I love it. So before we get into our round table, this episode is going to be fun, guys. So it's going to be a little round table style, very casual, all stuff marketing. We're all in marketing mode. We're all marketing girls here. Um, before we get into that though, we want to learn a little bit more about you guys. So Natalie, if you can go first, just give us like a little brief bio about you, where you work, like what your experience with marketing, all that good stuff. And then Alexa will go to you. Yeah. So I'm Natalie. I ended up here in marketing by pure chance. Just, it was like the extra major in college where I needed a few more credits to finish it. Um, but I ended up accepting a full-time offer and starting before I graduated. So I was 20 20 at the time, um, worked my way up. Um, now I, I, well, I just, I was managing different partners for like Google, Facebook, um, Yelp, working with these really big brands. And I just quit my job though. So my last day is actually tomorrow. So crazy, crazy. Now we're doing the podcast and some fun stuff with that full time. So, um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. Love it. 
And I'm very proud of Natalie for quitting tomorrow. Everyone realized how absolutely effed they are without her. And that was also kind of part of the plan too. Um, <laughs> that's that's on, on a personal side. So I'm Alexa. I'm the other half of content and cocktails. Um, I have a little bit of a different story than Natalie, but we still came together in the same place. Graduated college, went to go do, you know, that whole finding yourself thing, traveled across Asia, came back. But I started working at this tech company, uh, this tech startup where I ultimately ended up meeting Natalie, my partner, but I do all things community. So what I do right now is I'm the head of community. That's online events, in-person events, um, and really building up a brand and community of different users so that they have the ultimate buy-in with their with our product. So that's, that's a bit about what I do. I also host another webcast and podcast for that company. And I've interviewed uh, Simon Sinek, Barbara Corcoran, Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban's my friend on Facebook. Now that's like the best thing that's happened to me this year. So I'm <laughs> about all things showing up online, on video, um, and really passionate about teaching other women how to do that. Love it. That is awesome. Mark Cuban status. That is great. We love that. <laughs> shark fans over here. Love this. Love our two marketing girls here. How did you guys start content and cocktails? Can we get like the background on that? Oof. This is when we go back to when we were both working at the same company. So I think I'd been there for about a year and Alexa much longer. And our bosses randomly, he decided that he was going to sit us next to each other. And it was the worst decision he ever made because <laughs> since that day, Alexa and I have not stopped talking and we've talked ourselves into the business that we're doing now, um, which is the podcast where basically Alexa and I both were really successful in our careers when we were young, but it was difficult to find other women to, to look to, to, to show us how we could be successful in our careers. And all the podcasts we looked at were, um, over, they were male dominated, overly complicated options. There weren't really anything by young women for marketing. So, uh, we saw the opportunity and we went with it. Mm -hmm. And the stories that we try to tell are women just like us, just like me, Natalie, like you, Abby, who were like the boots on the ground people. This is like the most attainable position you have, especially when you're young and no one tells you really how to get there sometimes. And I feel like you both are in the same place. You just end up there. So that is exactly why we started this podcast to normalize that non-linear career tract and to show young women how they can get to where other women are in these really awesome positions in different companies. Yeah, we interview women working at L'Oreal, Vogue, Amazon, Pinterest, all these really big companies and basically showing that if these young women had success while they were still young, uh, so can you. Love it. Yes, you guys have had some really cool guests. So anyone listening that hasn't checked out Content Cocktails, go right now while you're listening to the show, go subscribe to their show as well. And that is an awesome segue into our marketing round table. So I'll just give a brief, I wrote a description of what this is for maybe people that don't know what this is because we just made it up. So this digital marketing round table is, we're going to discuss the current state of some popular social media channels and digital marketing methods. And we will discuss what we think will happen in the future, as well as a few strategy slash tips for anyone who wants to get any guidance in these areas too. We're going to go all over the place. I am going to try to be moderator-ish and have my topics, but we'll probably go all over the place, which that's fun too. So are you guys ready for this? Oh yeah. We, we live so all over the place. That's like our zone of genius is all over the place. The first one, which hot topic this whole year 
this has, 2020 has definitely been the year of TikTok. So we are going to dive into TikTok. I want to, first I want to know, are you guys on TikTok? Yes. And <laughs> when it asked me a week ago, I would have said no, but I just got it. <laughs> yes. I finally, I finally convinced Natalie. And also if TikTok goes away, then my screen time is going to go down significantly because that is the app that I spend the absolute most time on. I think the best content comes through TikTok hundred percent. Totally. Yes. So much TikTok magic this year, especially when everyone was more at home and we had like more lockdowns. Like I feel like that's when it kind of really took off. Um, so yeah. Did you guys notice that with the surge? Like, did you have it pre, well, I know you didn't Natalie, but <laughs> Alexa, did you have it pre COVID or was it kind of? No, it, it was a very much a COVID download because I started seeing people sharing them on Instagram, on Instagram stories. And I had to say, okay, I'm going to check out this TikTok thing. My boyfriend was on it and I got on it and I've never gotten off. And I think <laughs> the best thing about TikTok is the trends that circulate through it. And as a marketer, understanding how to use those for your own personal brand, for the company that you're working for is really important to stay relevant on the app and to get on your for you page. So downloaded it in March most use app to this day. <laughs> I definitely don't think it would be what it is today if it wasn't for uh, the pandemic because it basically shut everything else down and you had nothing to do except go on your phone. And I mean, you can see that in the data how like the average like phone usage and internet usage skyrocketed during COVID. So it's basically like a little um, accelerator for the app where it got to go viral where it might not, not have otherwise. It's so true. And I feel like TikTok is kind of like that happy place for people. Like even this week with like election week, I've seen a lot of TikToks, like people just trying to find like humor in it too. Like, so I feel like it's like when the world is kind of crazy, people go to TikTok. Absolutely. The funniest people on the internet are on TikTok and also on Twitter. So but TikTok <laughs> is great because there's more video opportunity there. And I, that's why I said in the beginning, the best content right now is on TikTok because it stays so relevant every single day it's changing. Exactly. Which goes into that algorithm too. There's been a lot of talk on why TikTok has been, talk about TikTok, uh, about why it's been so <laughs> successful because of the algorithm, which we know like that's always the number one can play is, oh, how do I grow on Instagram? The algorithm, blah, blah. Like everyone's always complaining about algorithms. But TikTok, it's kind of like the old days when Instagram first started where you could get a lot of followers really easy because TikTok is so like that viral mentality. Like you can, nobody can get a million views. Not that easy, but easier than other. A million times easier than any <laughs> other platform out there. And I think that's what makes TikTok so special and why I, I agreed. I don't know when this will go live, but hopefully my first TikTok will be live by then. It's um, coming soon. I have an idea for, for sharing my story as, uh, as a young female entrepreneur slash marketer, but like the whole, the whole play is that I don't have to go create a TikTok and get one follower like at a time, right? I can create one video and the algorithm, if it's good, will know. And I think that's what makes TikTok really special is its ability to spot viral content and amplify that without you needing a, a core base to start with. Absolutely. And on the other side of that, they look for things that are less produced than, than what you typically see on Instagram. And that's really what you're seeing on your For You pages. And the use of like the sounds on there, of using like the text on there, it all plays into it. And algorithms are like a whole a whole other ball game um, because it's so unpredictable, but it, you, 
it, it knows if you're making good content and it comes from being authentic and genuine and not being overly produced, which is like vice versa to what Instagram is. And Natalie, I liked that you brought up what your first TikTok is going to be about because that I feel like is the number one misconception. Like you can do actual like rich content, like your entrepreneurial story. Very cool. It doesn't have to be a dance video. I think that has always <laughs> been like the hesitation. Like even me, I, I'm, I admit it. I have done a dance video. It is now archived, but I did one. <laughs> oh, I want to see it, Abby. <laughs> oh. yeah, no, I have like, I, I try and approach it in my own way where like, I, like why TikTok didn't appeal to me. Maybe it was because I'm not the dancer or the comedian, um, but I am really passionate about entrepreneurship and passionate about marketing. So I'm going to go about it in my own, in my own way. And, and um, yeah, and be authentic with my story and, and use TikTok as a platform to share stories, which I also think is a huge macro trend right now in marketing is that uh, people are looking for authenticity and people are really looking for those stories. So I'll hopefully be sharing mine in a unique way. That's just something good to remember across the board that just because something is a trend, you don't have to do that, ex- like that exact same thing to be a no, part of the trend. Be your own trend. Make exactly. your own. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or even tap into the trend, but do your own unique twist yes. on it. Mm-hmm. Those Absolutely. are the best ones. Those are the best ones when you see a trend that started off honestly so randomly and you turn it into whatever your business's niche is. I love seeing those. And then those always get an instant follow from me. I follow too many people on TikTok, I think. I looked today and it was like almost at a thousand. Hey, you know what? No one's judging. It's fun content. It's good. <laughs> no one's judging except my except myself and my and Natalie <laughs> for spending too much time on there. Before we move on to our next topic, which is very related, final chance. Any like favorite TikTok video or person to follow that our listeners should go check out right now? Okay. So I definitely have a few. It just depends on what lane that you're in. Of course, I'm on food TikTok. I'm not on dance TikTok, but the content that I love the most are people narrating their lives. And that's why I'm excited for Natalie's TikTok to launch. Uh, This account, you've probably heard of it. It's called It's Me Tinks. And it's just the day in the life of this girl in LA. And she's absolutely hilarious and super authentic. And that's the reason that her content performs so well, because it's really unrehearsed and it's just piecing together her life, not using a lot of filters or like crazy, you know, like the splices where people are jumping in the coffee cup and like splashing out of it. And that's the type of content that I really like to see on TikTok. I have no one. Natalie's, Natalie's, <laughs> Natalie's favorite account is mine because it's yeah, just my it cat is. right now. It is. It is. If you want to go see some pictures of Alexa's cat and her boyfriend, you can check out Alexa. <laughs> Natalie, I got, I got a late night text from Natalie midweek last week saying, I love you, but you need to be better at TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> it was her text to me and I said, I love you too. You're mean, but I'll, I take Every your- one that you've made, it was like, you could just tell it was like midnight. It was like a few glasses of wine later. <laughs> I have to, I have to up my TikTok game. I absolutely do. And so hopefully this podcast episode will hold me accountable and you will see Natalie and I both very active on TikTok in the near future. Okay. Same here. I'm going to jump in on that accountability. I swear. Yes. I swear it's the same. Like it's that thing where, because you do it professionally, sometimes your own channels are lacking. Like I, I, at least I struggle with that. It's like, I forget about my own stuff. So yeah. Or else it's too much like of social media. It's like I need a break (laughs) when I get home. You don't want to do it all the time. Yeah. The fatigue is real. It really is. Um, so going along with TikTok, our next topic is Instagram reels. So Instagram 
Facebook, who owns Instagram, jumped into the TikTok short video market this year and launched Reels. So first question, have you guys dived <laughs> into Instagram Reels? Like, have you published an Instagram Reel for yourself or have you experimented with clients yet? How's that? Yeah, Natalie, tell us about your client that you've posted for. I do have a client. Um, her name is Ocean. Um, she's a red golden doodle and I created a video for said client and she got thousand. I think I, I literally just no editing just recorded her. She was like, she had taken like picked up some glasses or something and was running around, um, with someone chasing her thousands of views instantly. So, so you could, wow. you could tell similarly that they're really trying to promote the content because they want it to work. So they're rewarding you with easier, uh, engagement. At the yes. same time though, will it last? Because the quality is way less, way less than TikTok. And it's obvious that they're trying to replicate it, but even the small details, like the length of video that you're allowed to produce and the sounds that you can have on there, it's really doesn't stack up to TikTok right now. And you'll even see people who are performing really well on Instagram reels. They're just re-uploading their TikTok videos into Instagram. So I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't have all the functionality yet. And I think people were real, it basically they're in a race, right? They wanted to launch it, um, before this whole deadline, before TikTok, before TikTok went away in case it did, everyone would instantly migrate over to Instagram Reels. So they did what, like, I mean, I would admire the startup mentality in the sense that they shipped a product that wasn't perfect, but it was really, really far from even close to what TikTok <laughs> offered. <laughs> And I think that they, but yeah, they put a lot of buzz behind it, but it wasn't, it just wasn't close to what TikTok is. And I think I've seen a lot of that excitement go away. But it is funny that people are just uploading their TikToks because why not? Like you're already making the content. Why not just put it there too? It's almost like just your publishing way to get your content out again, which I guess that's what Instagram is anyway, but typically you are creating it for the platform rather than just recycling. Yeah. But I also would say that we saw the same thing when Instagram did stories. I remember everyone being like, no way am I going to use that? They're just copying Snapchat. That's stupid. Don't use those. And then look where we are now. So uh, it's hard to say what the future will look like. I think what happens legally with TikTok will probably play, will have a big influence in that. But Instagram also needs to really invest in you know, their own algorithm for reels and the different tools that um, are right now available on TikTok. And like Natalie said, they do have to invest more in their algorithm. The stuff I see on there right now, it's more so that original TikTok, those dance videos that I'm not really keen to see. What mm -hmm. I actually do really like about the Instagram reels I found, I found really great marketing tips through there. Honestly, yeah. I found a lot of really great accounts and because they are siloed to 15 seconds, that may actually do them better because instead of sharing like 10 tips, they're only sharing three and then you're go to, you go to their profile afterwards. So there may be an upside to them not having as much functionality and length of time of video. Yeah. I also just think that Instagram's doing too many things and you can't be great at everything. And it might honestly be a bad move for Instagram to try to jump on the reels trend. They've been doing a lot around shopping and they're trying to monetize Instagram. And you, I don't know, I, I have a few accounts. I don't know about you guys, but I have like seven Instagram accounts and on some yes. of them, they've already, they've already beta tested the new feature to where my homepage is a shopping page. It's not the normal homepage. So you're also seeing Instagram go into that to where they're trying to make you make Instagram a place where you're purchasing things. And when you're on TikTok, you're really likely not thinking about purchasing the content that that comedian is giving you or such. So it might not even be the way that TikTok I mean, the way that Instagram wants to go is investing more in uh, reels. They may choose to invest more in the shopping feature. Right. That's such a good point. Well, and 
Instagram slash Facebook's like hidden past, they launched Lasso, which was supposed to compete with TikTok like two years ago, I think. And then they shut it down earlier this year in 2020 because no one was downloading it. So it's like they kind of already like tried and failed. Wow. Lasso, never heard of her. I know. We don't know her. We don't know Lasso. <laughs> we don't know that- her. Well, they they normally they launch them in other countries. So they'll launch it in the right. country where yeah. the news won't spread to the US. Like we're the most lucrative market because you can't have Instagram in China and China is the second large, the, the only other economy that could compete with us. So they make sure it's really good before they introduce it to ours. Right. Totally. What I am interested in though is if they do decide not to pursue reels anymore, how that would be you know, retracted and taken back. I've never seen Instagram do that with a feature. Maybe they have and it just didn't make it to the the United States. Activity feature, they took it out. Like how you used to have an activity feed where you get to see everyone's posts. Oh yeah, I remember that. Right. You could always creep on what people were liking. I was like, Alexa, you were looking at me like- (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember that. They did it like so into the night. Like you had no idea. They quickly replaced it with something else. Yeah. Super sneaky. Yeah. Wow. I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. (laughs) Super interesting to see where it goes. I think for now, it probably is going to stay. Hopefully, they invest some more time and resources into it. As far as content, though, Alexa, you mentioned it like you like more of like the education, which I've seen some cool like marketing tips. What do we feel like right now? I feel like the big trend is to do like a little point with yeah. the words. <laughs> what do we feel like? What's, I guess, somebody who doesn't know how to start with reels, any tip or advice on where to start? And what do we think is going to be more long lasting? Like is the pointing going to last or? So I think the pointing came from an original trend on TikTok, of course, and that's the easiest way to display words across the screen. A do would be the least amount of words the better. Um, A don't, something that I absolutely hate seeing on these reels is lists of things that I'm having to pause and screenshot. And it doesn't really make sense. It would make more sense if you just turn those into a bunch of other reels and get those on. What's the Instagram for you page called? Is it just the homepage? Yeah. The homepage. Yeah. 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 Or discover, discover page. Oh, I think it's discover. The discovery page, the discovery page. So if you have a lot of ideas and things that you want to talk about in one marketing TikTok, think about dividing those up and creating different pieces of content from that. And right now, yeah, I think the pointing is the easiest. Um, And I also think it has to do with the sound that you're using because it, that it matches with other like texts on screen. Some of them you're in, some of them you're not. I find that the posts that perform the best are when the creator is in them and they look real and it's not super produced and like filtered over. Totally agree. Here's the thing about reels. When I am seeing them, they're popping up as a, as like hashtags and sponsored posts on my regular feed. I'm not actually going into the discover page. They are connected to a certain hashtag that I follow. And that's how I find certain reels through that page. So it's not actually through going in and discovering. I'm not flipping through it like TikTok when I have TikTok already. So that is another aspect to it too. Okay. So some great tips there. Love it. Instagram reels is probably here to stay. Start spending some time, everyone kind of strategizing how you want to tell your story. And I think it's totally okay to like jump on the trends too, especially as you're starting out. Like if something's popular, you don't need to reinvent the wheel every time. Just make it your own. Absolutely. So let's dive into influencers. So I want to start off with two stats from influencer marketing hub. 
63% of marketers intend to increase their influencer marketing budget in the next year. And this report was done in the middle of this year. So we're still kind of in that leading into 2021. And businesses are making $5.20 for every $1 spent on influencer marketing. So this industry is not going away anytime soon. This is like a huge part of marketing now. Um, how, how, how have you, I know Natalie, you work with influencers and how has that been for you? I guess any change over this past year with 2020 being as it is. Yeah, I, so yeah, I've definitely a lot of experience with influencers. I've built out the programs at two separate companies, each being very different. Um, but one thing that's the same as with influencer marketing, it didn't always used to be this way, but people are looking for a positive ROI. So in the past, you'd use influencers for like a brand, like imagine a huge Coca-Cola campaign with someone really famous on the billboard. Nowadays, um, we're getting a little bit more granular in the sense that if they're spending X amount on an influencer, like they're tracking it. So all influencer marketing programs now are looking for that. And all that goes down to engagement. So I've been seeing that be an increasing, like a number that everyone's looking at. So it doesn't matter how many followers you have. It matters how many likes you're getting and how many comments you're getting is the most important factor. So I would say engagement has become increasingly more important before people just look at followers or subscribers and think that's what mattered. I've heard like interesting things on TikTok. People are really trying to figure out how to use influencers on TikTok. It's different because you're scrolling through, so that's a little bit harder to to determine. A, like, what if I spend, you know, if I pay some influencer a hundred thousand dollars to do to say my my brand uh, in one of his videos? How can I track that? Because it's not like Instagram where you see a post and then you might click on the profile and like go in, or Facebook where you might click a link. Um, so I see people struggling with that in terms of TikTok. That's a really good point about TikTok, how you can't tell who maybe is in, who is endorsing a product because on Instagram, it's a rule now that you have to include the hashtag ad or paid ad in that. And you can even see it at the top corner of any Instagram post or an Instagram story. There are a couple brands on TikTok that are doing this really well. And I'm only noticing because I'm seeing it in so many different types of videos and whoever's in charge of their influencer marketing, they're doing a great <laughs> job. So the one that comes to mind, it's called the coldest water. And you'll notice that they don't have hashtags on their TikToks, but they just have the water bottle or the whatever their bottle is in certain parts of the screen. So you don't actually know you're being influenced by it, and they're not actually talking about it in their in their uh, content that they're creating. It's just sitting there. It's like, uh, it's like a movie or TV. It's just so smart. It's kind of like that indirect sell, like that's like subconscious, like the water mm -hmm. bottle in the background. Yeah. It is really common on, I don't know if you've noticed this in different TV shows where you see like a certain brand of cereal out there eating every morning, or it's just like in the yes. kitchen. You're not like, you don't, you, you don't notice it, but then you do notice it subconsciously, but that is really different, different type of influencer marketing where you're not it's not a promo code, well, you'll see a lot, right? On YouTube, especially. How many YouTubers are telling you to use their promo code? That's not really how I'm seeing the TikTok uh, deals going. They're more about brand awareness. So yeah, that's, I think, a little bit different about how influencer marketing has been playing out with the new platforms. Definitely. And then this year, especially, I feel like we're getting a little more away from the traditional, like, here's this product, go buy it. I've seen a lot more storytelling when it comes to, like, products, like, influencers trying to, like, 
push a product or anything like that. And I think that's probably something that will have to stick around because people like, it's like, oh, just another advertisement. I'll keep scrolling. But if it's actually like, oh, a story and a reason and it's authentic, that's something else too, authenticity. Yeah. Now, now that influencer marketing has been around for a while, it's not like you only have one brand that wants to do a deal with you. So a lot of these mm-hmm. big influencers too, they get to choose which brands they want to work with. So it's becoming more authentic where they might only want to choose certain brands that they resonate with. So instead of saying, um, like go buy this watch for, you know, Chris for a Christmas gift, they're saying like, I bought this watch for my husband, blah, 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 blah. like I, I got this engraving on it. It's like this whole long caption and this whole story, like you said, um, because like now they get to, I think they get to choose and they really get to choose brands that they're passionate about, not just the only one that's going to give them a paycheck. Totally. And it goes back to what you were saying in the beginning, Natalie, about how all these apps, what performs well is storytelling. Whenever I see a hashtag ad on Instagram or on Facebook, I'm immediately scrolling past. But what these influencers are doing now is the first couple tap throughs, they're not, or the first couple stories, they are just telling the story about it. So you're actually invested in it. And then the last page is that promo code or that ad um, for the product that they're promoting. So it's actually very, it's very sneaky. And definitely by telling a story, whether you are on the influencer side or you are on the influencer marketing side, that's the way you should be doing it through Instagram stories for sure. Totally. I love that. And then it's just more real too, because nobody wants to feel like they're only following somebody to get sold to. Yeah. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with the brand movement, Abby? No. They're the watch brand. Oh yeah. yeah. MVMT. MVMT. Yes. Okay. So quick little story about them. They are this huge watch company that built their, all their success is based off influencer marketing. So getting all these micro influencers to post tiny pictures of, you know, young people wearing the watch and these watches are not like the best quality, but they cost a lot of money and you're buying the image, right? So they built this entire company. These are just two college kids built this huge company and they had enough money where they wanted to pay Kylie Jenner to do an ad. So they pay Kylie Jenner. They were successful that all these micro influencers. So they pay Kylie Jenner to do um, an Instagram post. And so she's, she's sitting down, her legs are crossed and she has the watch on. She takes a picture of the watch. They paid like millions for this post. She posts, she posts it on Instagram. Every single comment is about the shoes that she's wearing. Not <laughs> one person asked about the watch. They sold like a dozen watches. They completely lost all of their money. Every, all oh I remember about was the shoes that Kylie Jenner was wearing. And to that day, they do not work with huge influencers like that. They're working with the micro influencer, the smaller person. So that is a perfect example. <laughs> oh Someone goodness. lost their job. Someone got that. <laughs> I mean, they were so excited. Imagine like building your business to be able to afford it. get Kylie Jenner to post about you. And all they want to talk about is her shoes. <laughs> that Should is more so specific funny. with her footwear. Exactly. Well, and even like in your influencer guidelines on like how, like what you can be wearing and stuff. Not that they did not make that mistake twice. I'm I'm sure. (laughs) And last thing on influencers, do we think, is it too late to become an influencer? Oh, absolutely not. Anyone can become an influencer, especially with TikTok now. It's probably, that's your, if I wanted to become an influencer, I would go straight to TikTok. I would become viral on TikTok and then just being sure to try to distribute your audience. What I see about too many TikTok, TikTokers is that all of their audience is on TikTok. The scare with TikTok being banned like got people to start growing their Instagram and their YouTube followings, but I think TikTok's probably the best place to go. Uh, but just being mindful that you don't want one platform to own your audience and you want to make sure you're distributing it across other 
platforms as well. Definitely. Totally agree. Never too late. And they're always, we're all unique. Somebody always wants to hear from you and see your perspective. So I love that. Next one is community building. So this one should be fun. Right off the bat, I think community building is super important for any brand because now, especially with millennials and Gen Z, Gen X, Gen Z, the younger one than millennial, (laughs) um, more people are purchasing a product because of like the mission and story of the brand rather than what the product is itself. Like that storytelling, that community feel is so important when it comes to purchase behavior. So community is everything, especially when we have so many options, like how many skincare companies are there? How many shoe brands, athletic brands, like you're really going to go for the one you feel like the community behind the mission behind. So Community building is important, and I'm sure it will be even more so in the coming year. How have you guys navigated community building, like just in general with work, even the podcast would be a good example as well? Well, Abby, I think you really hit the nail on the head. Birds of a feather flock together. I think the big differentiator, though, when we're talking about places to build communities, you really have to understand where your audience is. Whether you're building that community on Facebook, whether you're building it on LinkedIn, whether you're building it on your own website, plenty of companies do that. The common denominator through all those is value first. And it's much more of a nurture process when people are buying your product or your service, but they're so much more invested. And they're not only more inclined to buy that original product, they're more likely to upgrade. They're more likely to add on. They're more likely to buy more and then invite other people to this. And a key thing that we found success and that I found success in is making sure that you are engaging back with them. So don't just be posting content in there saying, here's this blog post that we wrote for this new drink that we're launching. There should be some human aspect to it. Always end everything in a question and make sure when people are engaging with you, you're engaging right back because that's only endorsing positive behavior and positive interaction with your with your brand. Yeah, and communities are a really great way to turn a one-time customer into a repeat customer or a customer into an evangelist, right? They take they take it one extra step and it's on all it really takes is genuinely caring about your customers and putting in a little bit of extra effort. It's definitely a trend. We're seeing it more and more. Um, and one that I, I really do like and kind of plays into the, the authenticity and the storytelling and community building. It's all one central theme, um, just kind of broken down into different parts in, in the marketing. Love that. And a good example of that is that brand. Have you heard of the, it's a rosé line and it's called Drink Light Pink, Light Pink. Um, they just launched and it's by Lori Harder. She's like a entrepreneur podcast. She's really cool, but she launched Rosé brand and they didn't have like what the bottle design would be. So they had people vote on Instagram before the product was even launched. How smart to build a community like that before you even Mm -hmm. have a product. Like she had like six designs and they narrowed it down to four and like you basically as a consumer who hasn't even consumed it yet are already a part of the fold because you, oh, I built that brand. Like I helped like so smart. People are getting really creative. I love that. So smart. You can do that both on Instagram and in Facebook groups too, again, depending on where your audience is, but asking them questions. If you are working for a SaaS company through feature development, this is what we're talking about. These evangelist groups that are saying, I'm so invested in this product because they're listening to me. These communities are the ultimate way for, to create that customer feedback loop. If your audience feels like you're listening to them and you're actually producing what they are suggesting to you, of course, like you take into consideration all 
all the other factors and make it very known that you listen to them. And that's why you created this feature or this part of the product line. They're going to go crazy over it. Uh, an example of the company that we currently, or I currently work at, we created this evangelist brand that we involved them so heavily in the building of our product that they went and got this group name tattooed on them. Like that's how much they love being a part of this community because it's a source of inclusivity. It's a source of friendship and being able to connect them with people just like them all across the country was that special that it means almost more to them than the actual product itself. And that's when you know you have a really thriving community. That is such a good example. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> it was also the first time I've been in a tattoo shop and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, are you sure you want to get this tattooed on you? It's on video. It's, it's great. But that is definitely one of the highlights of, of my community career. Okay. So two last questions about community. One, Facebook groups, yay or nay for a brand? Because in, I don't like in like recent, like Facebook groups that I've been a part of or that I've seen, like you see sometimes there's like drama and weird stuff going on, but sometimes it can be really successful if it's managed right. So yay or nay to Facebook groups for oh, community engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex and I wouldn't say that all day. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All, all day long. But Abby, what you said is so true. It needs to be moderated correctly. The biggest mistake I see brands making with their Facebook groups is that they just create them, get people in them, and then that's it. And they leave it up to their users and their members to create the content that's in there. So I think that Yes, for Facebook groups, especially if your target demographic is on Facebook and that's where they're primarily connecting. I've seen companies start to branch out to do their own forums, but at the end of the day, people want a place to talk. They want a place to talk about your product, about you, about things that surround them in their space. So like Nally said, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes to yes. community. Especially with the whole trend towards privacy, right? Everyone is upset with social media because, and Google and everyone, everyone feels like their privacy has been, you know, taken away. So Facebook groups are a way for you to feel that sense of privacy again and the community on a much deeper level and that the people that are in that group are people like you and that's a brand that you identify with. So Mark Zuckerberg even said like this year or last year that that group to the future of Facebook. And I really do believe that. And I see that um, just with, yeah, again, back to like the community and the storytelling and all that people are looking for authentic ways to connect online. And I really think Facebook groups are the way to do that. And it's from so the true. brand side, oh, sorry, Abby. Oh no, you're good. Natalie just, just sparked something in my head. And from the brand side, we use this as a ways, as a way to get prospects and to get leads in through these private groups. If they go and click on your group and they say, okay, there's X amount of members and in, in activities at 80%, there has to be great things going on in here. So when you have those entry questions to get into the group, this is a great way to collect customer information and to go after them once you've started to engage with them in there. So it works both ways. You're creating a really great space for your customers, but you're also having a way to get new leads through your funnel. Yeah, Alexa's one of the first, I think, to be able to successfully monetize Facebook groups. And I see like people are also purchasing Facebook groups, but there's also a way for within your company to use it as a source for leads and to be able to show up like again, a positive ROI, right? When people are deciding where to allocate budget and you're on a, you're at a company, how can you show like, Hey, give me more money. And when you're working on something like community, it's hard to prove that. Uh, but there are ways to monetize Facebook. Alexa's, Alexa's done it. 
we could do a whole episode on, on how to monetize a Facebook oh, group. There's okay. We need to have there. you guys back. We need to have you guys back and just do a whole episode on that. Yes. We'll I do a whole one. Yeah. Natalie will ta- tell you how to create a really successful influencer program. And I'll tell you how to build a Facebook group that makes you money. <laughs> Perfect. Those are great topics. We love that. Um, last thing on Facebook groups for somebody who has some fear of creating one, any advice for them, like going into it, like to get to start that core group of people in there because you could have a group and no one's in it. Yeah. So if you have an existing user base, which if you are creating a Facebook group, you should go after that core group of customers first. Go after those evangelists. You can launch it through your Instagram or your email or your website, whatever that may be. People want to feel special. People want to feel like they're the first into something. Something that I've seen that has worked really well for Facebook groups when they're starting out is to have these is to have uh, these titles of founding members. And those people feel really special because Facebook now has badges. So if you are one of the first few members of a group, you get that clout. So advertising it out as like a soft launch in this very exclusive thing, you could have like an exclusive interview that you're doing in the group the first day that it goes live or within that first week to entice people to come in and then also offer incentives to that first core group of people to, to invite their friends in. That is how the group grows is when people start inviting them out. So smart. Everyone, I hope you took notes. Get the notepad out. Write that down because that is so smart. A great way to launch your group. And last, before we move to the next round, one just community building tip, like one action somebody listening can take today right after this. It could be Facebook group, Instagram, like whatever. General, like a community building tip. I would say ask for uh, your audience's advice and decision-making. Um, and I, like you gave a really good example about the rosé, but you can also do it on smaller things too and getting their input. And when they do respond to that poll, make sure that you DM each and every person who responded to that. Um, and that's a really great way to engage with someone because think about how easy it is for someone scrolling through social media to just like click on, click an answer to a poll. That took them two seconds. They didn't think about it. Then they receive a thoughtful DM from like the founder or the owner of that brand or company. Um, it's just a really great way to connect with your audience. Love. I agree. Engagement is everything. You could be creating the best content in the world. And this goes across all platforms, but really with community, setting the goal for what your community will be and then telling your audience what they're actually going to be receiving from it. So if you are starting a Facebook group, if you are starting a LinkedIn group, let that audience know what they're in for. Are they in for exclusive interviews? Do they have templates in there that aren't available for download anywhere else, create that exclusivity factor. And I think the biggest piece of advice is make it a private group. Don't do a public group. There's always low engagement on groups and there's always irrelevant things that are being shared in. And when you have a private Facebook group and someone who's dedicated to it, then you're actually going to see so much more return on what you're building with your community and your brand. Yes. Love. Okay. The two golden nuggets right there. That is awesome. Okay, so before we head into Working Girl Talk Top 10, last question for both of you. What is, as we head into 2021, what is, in your opinion, one place to dedicate your time and one place to spend money if you have a budget when it comes to marketing for a brand or your business? So time and money, one place each. Okay, I'll go first. I would say probably in a different way than you'd think. I would say in yourself. Um, I would say spend the money on like buying educational, like if it's a book or a course or something, um, 
and spend your time learning too, because money and marketing to me is like anyone can spend money. It's so easy to spend money, but that's not what makes a brand or a company successful. Um, so like look intrinsically and, and improve yourself. That's how like I attribute my success. Like being really young and having success is not like not, not anything I could buy. Right. It was something that I had to learn and teach myself. So, um, there's tons and tons of great books out there, not just about marketing. Um, for marketers, I really think it's important to read books and educate yourself about psychology. Um, cause that's such a huge factor in marketing and there's all these gimmicks and stuff you can learn, but really understanding how someone thinks, um, is going to help you be so successful. Natalie has the best book recommendations. If you look at my, my book box, it's bookshelf. I don't know if you Oh my goodness. That's awesome. All, all the books I buy are because Natalie said, I just read this thing in 45 minutes and you need to read it because it taught me X, Y, Z. And I'm saying, okay, well, I actually don't need it because you just told me exactly what the book was about, <laughs> but she's so right. Investing in yourself first. If you are working for a company and they have a budget for that and say there's like an online conference that you want to go to or a certification course you want to take, they can allocate that budget to help you advance your skills so that you can then implement your ideas in a more efficient way. So I absolutely agree with Natalie. Uh, if I were to offer one other thing, let's say you have some budget to invest in, it always goes back to investing in your core group of customers. If you can really make those people feel special, whether that's through like some special swag item or through highlighting them in your Instagram or in your Facebook community or on your website, that is absolutely where you should be spending money is making that evangelist group feel really special so that they go out and sell your product for you. So they go out and sell your services and refer people to you. They're like paid advertising. I feel like any, if you learn how to do it, anyone can really do paid ads, but I don't know about you. When I see something like that, I'm scrolling on past unless it's something super eye-catching and valuable. So if you are spending money on paid ads, make it a user-generated content piece. Don't have it be like this like basic, you know, like advertisement, that would be, I think, our my second piece of advice if you do have budget to go spend. Love that. So true. I love the thought of just dedicating budget and time to the people you already have because it's so much easier to get more for the people you already have than try to get new people all the time because they'll do the work for you if you're really cultivating them. So love that. Let's dive into Working Girl Talk Top 10. So we'll do five questions. And since there's two of you, that's 10 answers. So that's got some good math there today. <laughs> so this is just first thing that comes to mind to help the audience learn more about you. Okay. First one, my first job ever, Alexa first. Well, my first job ever was working for my parents for child labor, like in a catering company. But my first real job was at the ice rink so I could get free ice time as a figure skater. Ooh, fun. Love that. And Natalie? So is this a job that paid, paid me? Just what you consider as your first job. Okay. I mean, I had, uh, my, my first unpaid job was um, working at Allstate. I was an intern where I called people about their late payments. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Basically just people answering and hanging up on me or lying to me because they didn't want to make their payments. And then my first paid um, was that I was paid to be an Easter bunny. Um, I had full makeup, costume, and I was- <laughs> How fun. Okay. We need a picture of that. <laughs> That is I awesome. Didn't know that. <laughs> my little secrets. <laughs> Natalie's the, the OG Jake from Allstate. <laughs> oh my OG Jake from Allstate. Yes. Yeah. 
An essential part of my morning routine, Natalie first. Coffee, um, coffee and like, and something paper to read, newspaper or book. Um, yeah, can't live without it. When I'm able to do it, meditation to start the day going and sitting outside on my meditation pillow at least for like 10 minutes and listening to a guided meditation. I feel like I'm the best version of myself when I incorporate that into my morning routine. I am obsessed with blank right now. Okay. I just binge watched The Real Housewives of Potomac and Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with it. Um, Our friend recommended it to me out of The Real Housewives series. I've gone through the entire first season and like the last day or so. Not proud of it. I am proud of it. It's great. I'm obsessed with it right now. Gone love down it. a rabbit hole. Love it. Love some Bravo. And Natalie, what are you obsessed with right now? Billions. I don't know if you've heard of the TV Ooh, show yeah. um, on Showtimes. I was just introduced and it is so good. I, I always like, I, I'm a no, I'm in marketing now, but I was almost in finance. So it's like to see that world is, has been, been really cool. It's a pretty addicting show. And proudest moment in your career so far? Proudest moment in my career so far is when I was interviewing Barbara Corcoran and she told me to quit my job and start my own thing because I was too good for the company I was working at. And if I, my bosses want me to stay to give me a raise live in front of hundreds of people, that's the best moment of my career so far. That is incredible. I love that. And Natalie? I don't know if anything can top the Barbara Corcoran telling you that. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Um, Honestly, it's maybe like a little bit counter to career, but probably quitting. Um, I had known that I wanted to do my own business for so long and to be able to finally, to finally do it was just so liberating. So yeah, I was something I was really proud of that worked hard to be able to do that. I am inspired by blank Natalie first. Nassim Taleb. He is an author, intellect, uh, just someone who is really challenged the way that I think about everyday life and the way that I live. And he has a book called The Bed of Cocrises that I recommend you all read, but he's someone who's really inspired me to think differently. So I think not a person, but more like a place. I get inspired when I'm literally just staring up into the clouds daydreaming. That's when I get my best ideas and that's when I feel the most inspired. Also when I'm journaling. So it's not like a person, but it's an an activity, I guess you would say. That's when I get the most inspired. I love it. You guys made it. The Working Girl Talk top 10 content and cocktails edition. This was so fun. Where can everyone listen to your show? We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We are number one for marketing career. Um, You can also type in content and cocktails or check us out on Instagram at content and cocktails. But as as marketers, we would like you to type in marketing career so we continue to rank for (laughs) that keyword. Yes, we need that (laughs) SEO magic. Thank you for listening to The Roundtable with Alexa and Natalie. I hope you enjoyed it. It was so fun. Before you go, the Friday favorite. So every Friday I do a Friday favorite, something I enjoyed that week, something I liked that week. And today's Friday favorite is the Working Girl Talk playlist. I don't think I've even had a chance to mention these on the show yet. Working Girl Talk launched a music playlist both on Spotify and on Apple Music called Work the Workday. These are some amazing jams to just brighten your whole workday, whether it's the start of the workday to help you get through the afternoon slump. These are like party vibes. So warning, if you listen to this, it is guaranteed that you will feel more confident and powerful and maybe even a little more productive. I'm not, I'm just saying. So make sure to go check out Work the Workday on Apple Music or Spotify. Check out the Working Girl Talk Instagram if you have any questions or the post all about it and where to find the playlist. Hopefully you enjoy. We got some JLo, some even some Cheetah Girls on there, some old school Destiny's Child. So good. 
So that is it for today. Thank you so much for joining me on Working Girl Talk. To stay up to date with everything happening with the show and the community, make sure to follow Working Girl Talk on Instagram. And if you haven't, we would so greatly appreciate a review. I always love to hear what you have to say. Thank you so much. I am so grateful for you. Have a great day and I will talk to you next week.